Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is our second take. This is Phil Grooms here, and this is your third episode of Flyover Footy. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and it's been way too long, uh, but I think we're going to start trying to do this a little more regularly, at the very least, maybe once a month. Everyone was nodding their head last time I said that, so I think it might work. Uh, let's introduce everybody. Introduce everybody. We got Matt Baker to my left here. Hello. Uh, I'm glad to hear that because it's hot and we're outside because of coronavirus. It's a bit humid. Yeah, you may hear the cicadas. They're out in full force tonight as they have been this whole uh, summer for sure. Um, anything new for you, Matt? Oh, just living that COVID life here in St. Louis. Yeah, we were all doing that over 30 thing where we talked about our jobs when we first got here and everyone's got an interesting story, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's not as exciting as you want it to be, but at least we got soccer now. Yeah. Um, Santiago Beltran is here of Litter Sports uh, Media fame. How you doing, man? Great, Phil. Uh, happy to be out of the house and ready to talk about soccer. <laughs> no kidding. I hear you there. Uh, you've been very active with Litter Sports. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, you got to interview uh, Coach Trichu recently, right? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, last week, and we have been doing uh, interviews with some of the players, uh, trying to do something every week. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll touch on that for sure in a minute. Uh, Stuart Hulkgren is also here. How are you doing, Stu? Uh, not bad, not bad. It's a fine St. Louis evening. Yeah, yeah, feeling that humidity. <laughs> it feels like St. Louis at night. Um, Let's get into it, though, boys. Uh, let's start with St. Louis FC. Uh, let's start with the game against Pittsburgh and work our way out, right? Work our way backwards, work our way out as far as talking about the club as a whole. Um, what a game. You know, the, the first half was pretty terrible, I would say, until the, the goal by Greg there at the half. And then we got that that delay, that rain delay that seems to be good for us this year, right? Rain delay what, magic. That's right. <laughs> Um, what do you guys think about that? Were you scared after the first half? I was. I don't know about scared. I think I think they they caught us in some counters. You know, I think we came out trying to attack. Um, they they ended up obviously slowing us down pretty early. Um, it was kind of a nerve wracking first half. Not exactly the most enjoyable thing, but at least we got one back before half, and we didn't spend that massive rain delay just being inconsolable. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I thought that was huge. That I'm not sure it would have the second half would have been anywhere near what it was without that goal at the end of the first half, right? Um, and I found it interesting watching. I was kind of considering how Pittsburgh's played against that first game against Lou City and then how that one was, con was compared to the playoff game against Lou City the previous year and how, like, in the first half... It was always totally different than the second half against both those teams, where in one game, one dominated, and then they lost. In the other game, they dominated and won in Pittsburgh. Um, St. Louis kind of took advantage of that, too, because Pittsburgh owned us in the first half. Not just I, – I do think, like, yeah, they countered on us, and the ball felt funny a couple times, so that's not too crazy. But they did get a lot of chances in the first half, right? Stuart, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I mean – I actually keep coming back to, I think it was uh, Sam that missed the opportunity right after, right before their second goal. And that was what was bugging me up until when Greg scored because Sam missed that golden opportunity. And then just a couple minutes later, I think Pittsburgh got their second. 
And I, I just thought, you know what, this is probably the game. But the guys showed a lot of, lot of heart and a lot of fight. And uh, once Greg scored, you just had a good feeling about maybe there's a chance. You um, really thought things were going to change at that point. Yeah, and then you know, three hours later when the game ended, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I would be upset that we only got one point, but uh, I was. I really thought for a while we earned three points in that game, but we only got one. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Almost the opposite of Sporting Kansas City, the other rain, rain delay game, right? Where we ended up with a draw and I felt like we lost. This one had the opposite feel for sure. Um, yeah, the stats were pretty close after the first half, surprisingly. And then at the end of the game, we looked like the more attacking team. Granted, that happens when you sit back and try to defend a lead throughout a whole game for sure. But, um, you know, we were talking about whether this team is an attacking team or not. They really want to be. They really want to be an attacking team. <laughs> Tritz, Tritz really likes to send out his players, uh, move them up. Um, you know, we were talking about putting eight attacking players on the field. I mean, he, he's got that mindset. He's got that exciting style that you, you enjoy seeing and that you, you really get a, get a feel for. And the team definitely has the weapons to be an attacking team. Uh, lots of talent. It has just taken a while for things to click, but the last two games we have seen things click and the team has scored five goals. Uh, had a good second half um, last week against Pittsburgh. But uh, thinking about the game, uh, like two different stories, first half and second half. But uh, yeah, I was disappointed that we let three points get away. But if you think about it, Pittsburgh could have won the game too. Had it not been for Kyle Morton, he had a couple of great saves. Yeah. Kyle Morton was Kyle Morton. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't you say it'd be hard to argue that he's, I mean, he's the MVP of the year so far, right? So far. Yeah, I'd say him. I'd also say Toby at the back has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, just Toby and Fan and Sam are just a really solid pillar of center backs to have. And, I think we're lucky to have all three of them and three healthy guys this year and that. So, but Kyle, I mean, Kyle's just phenomenal. Yeah, he's been incredible. I've been meaning to look up his stats, and so I'm going to look those up, and I'll definitely post them because I think they're going to be really impressive. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Toby being so solid, and he is. I mean, that guy puts out fires before they're a problem for sure. I, th I feel like that's what he's best at, um, and he's good at last-ditch defending if he has to for sure. But it's been Fink the last couple of games, right? which has been a surprise and not to me. Do you guys have any feelings about the back three center backs? Sometimes they get to play. I, I think it provides the depth nice. we need. You know, we, we talk about our attacking depth, but you know, if we're going four in the back, you've always got that, those, those legs and that talent that can come in in the second half. It's, and we tried, what was it, one or two games? We tried three in the back and I don't recall it working out too well. Um, but he, he can provide that spark and at any given moment depending on how training goes depending on who's feeling it who's got the hot hand even because Tritz likes to go with the hot hand it seems you could have a different combination of those three at any time and we've we've missed that um, a lot I think that and as the as the season kind of progresses and the players continue to take form you really see that as a, as a real big positive yeah, and Fan, Fan and Sam have played together for two years now. This is their third season together. So 
So they have a good chemistry. And last year they played every single, or Fan played every single game. I think Sam played almost Sam started every single yeah. game. Yeah. Didn't he? He either started every single game or he oh, came last, on oh, and last won last year. year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah the Iron Man Award. One of two guys in the USL played every single game every minute. Yeah, fan did. Yeah. Fan, pardon me. And Sam almost did. Like he was out like one game or something okay. like that. But because I think Sam was Iron Man two years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. No, both those guys play through anything. I mean, you look at Toby. Toby would, I think, play through anything as well. So. I feel a lot better about our center backs than I do about our wing backs all the time, but I thought I thought Paris had a really good game. Paris did have a good game. Um, I think you see, he reminds me of me when I play soccer, where if I'm tired, <laughs> you can tell. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's he it. He wears no, his emotions on his sleeve, it. I think. That too. I mean, I like that. I like that. For yeah, sure. absolutely. It's, it's like the defensive side is where he'll struggle here and there, like most fullbacks or or wings back wing backs but man the guy like it's really interesting to see so this is what I was going to say about Sam Fink is I don't know if I feel like Sam's in almost for offense more than defense at this point only because all three of those center backs are so incredible that there are times in a game where if we can't play through midfield which I feel like has been a problem like we're going to bang balls from from the back into the front and Sam's our best long ball guy. We like to send the ball, that's for sure. And like, he, he created that goal, the first goal. Yeah. You know, Kyle's goal came from Sam, played beautifully by Russell, and then I mean, he, Sam made it happen. It's a weird thought process, and I'm not certain of myself. I'm just kind of putting it out there. But there are points, especially against the SKC game where we ended up winning 3-1, um, there were lulls in the game where I was like, God, what are we doing? And some of our best attacking was La Perret running down the left flank and Sam pinging a ball from right to left, you know. And we'd get in behind, we'd put a cross in, and it didn't work out. But um, there were times when that was our best attacking option, which is a thing in USL. <laughs> well, it's a thing. Let's be honest. It's a thing in Premier League, you know. It works sometimes. So Yeah, it works. But personally, I don't like that style of attacking. <laughs> I like more like when the team like builds plays and uh, multiple touches going side to side uh, opening spaces that's more my style back to uh, Sam Fink uh, at the beginning of the season I thought he was going to be the odd man out when they brought Toby I was like Sam is not going to see any playing time but, he didn't uh, resign until late in the offseason yeah yeah that's true so I thought he wasn't going to get a lot of minutes uh Toby has been um, like minor injuries, but he has been out a couple of games too, so I think that has helped. But uh, we have three solid center backs. Yeah. I'd say it's our strength. We've talked about Morton as our strength. We've talked about our our center backs as our strength. Um, But I think you also said that I think this is the best attacking team we've ever had. Now, Tyler Blackwood's been out a little bit lately. Maybe we can touch on that now too, but... Um, I'm a huge fan of More Sam. I don't think More Sam has shown us exactly all the things he can do quite yet. Um, Kyle Gregg, Tyler Blackwood being able to trade off up top has been really great. Uh, especially Kyle Gregg really showed his worth in this last game for sure. Um, Ciceroni, 
I mean, with the ball at his feet, and it's hard to get it off of him, and he's shifty and scary when he has the ball. I, I think he's gotten, I think he's gotten that elephant off his chest at this point. You know, there was a few games where he just seemed like he was trying really hard to make things happen. He was, he was really, and 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 just it wasn't working. Um, you know, we. But the last couple of games, I think he's he's broken through, and so I'm excited to see what he can do from here on out because he's got that talent. You know, he can he tries too hard in one on ones or one on twos every, every once in a while, but one on twos well, <laughs> they happen more than you'd like. He tries yeah. to make things happen, yeah. but you know, it's it's working it's working a lot better for him, and he's he's making things happen. He's getting in that groove. He's getting the confidence. There's a lot to like about where he's where he's going. And like that game against uh, India away, it seemed like Russ and Jeremy had some maybe communication issues that they're working through now and they feel each other out a little bit better than they did, you know, a month ago. So, but Russ doesn't seem like he's really clicked yet. He was obviously clicking that first game, then he went on hiatus for three months like the rest of us, and now he's getting back up to speed and if all these guys are in form, it's going to be scary for other teams to have more Sam and Greg and Blackwood and Russ and Wallfall. And, hell, we haven't even talked about Dakers, who's forgotten. Yep. And Dakers has never really – I thought he had a good year last year, but he's never had, like, a huge year in St. Louis goals and assists-wise. I mean, he's a guy that's capable, capable of, you know, five goals, five assists on a season, and he really hasn't done anything yet. I agree. I think we all agree. I think we've mentioned it before that he became a more complete player last year to where any team could trust him to be on the field to defend and attack in the same game. But, um, yeah, he hasn't gotten as much. I don't know. I don't know. It, Rivas has gone on as a sub and really shown his worth. Right. right. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Rivas, right? Um, he had a slow start, but I think we've figured out what he's best at, which is Coming in as an attacking sub seems to be his best thing. I didn't like him as a... I don't know if they were playing him as a 10 or an 8. I thought it was weird, him playing so deep in the beginning of the season. Did you guys notice that, or am I weird? Am I off? No, I, I agree with you. Like, uh, when he was starting the first few games, um, like, you could tell, like, he wasn't settled on the field. Yeah. And um, he has been doing better when he has come as a sub. Yeah. Even when he comes late, for five minutes, he has make, made a difference. Right, he's, yeah. We're gonna touch on that in a second. I'm gonna bring it up because we're gonna go off. But um, yeah, he just looks so confident as a sub. Like, almost like, okay. And he runs his ass off for like 10, 20 minutes. And um, that counterattack against Sporting Kansas City too. And what, the 93rd minute. Ugh, that was great. He handled it perfectly with such calm and po like composed. He settled it composure. so well. Yeah. That was great to see. The, the USL highlights didn't make justice to that play because they didn't show the whole thing. They but didn't show develop. Yeah, right. He started it back there, and then he ran, and perfect pass from Jeremy, and yeah. great finish. Yeah, Jer Jeremy uh, Gagnon Lapre, like, he's great. And I think it's really weird, and that's what I was getting at earlier, is that, like, Trichu has a lot to think about because I do think he can play Fink as almost like if I want a little more attack, he can play Fink as a center back, which is a weird thing to think. If he wants to protect the flanks, he can play Richard Bryan and then throw G on, on the on the wing, which is a weird thing to think about. 
Because I do think Brian's a little more defensive. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, he has better defense than Paris, than at least. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I do think maybe against uh, Pittsburgh, he was trying to be a little more conservative in that way. Otherwise, he played a, a really similar attacking lineup as against Sporting Kansas City, who you should just all out attack for sure. But um, he brought on uh, Paré at the half because they were up 2-1 and he knew we needed some attack. And Paré's so good. I mean, in the preseason, I would watch Paré. He scored at least three or four goals the first time I went to a preseason tri- um, training session. He's a great player. He's got great vision. He could play as a midfielder, but he's playing left back for us. You know, I was like, going to say, didn't he play as a midfielder? played as a forward for Ottawa, yeah. too. He played up forward. top a few times. Hmm. They bounced him around everywhere. And maybe that's part of the thing with, with this group of guys is that besides the whole you know extended time off, Maybe it's just finding how best they can mesh together. You know, they're they're being asked to maybe perform different roles or play different positions, and it's it's identifying what works best in a game situation for each person, whether it's Rivas or JGL or or Russell or you know any of those guys, Wallfall and Wharton in the mid. Everybody's so good and talented that you just need to position everybody to their strengths and find out where they mesh best with each other. I just feel like we, to me, we feel like a veteran professional soccer team, you know, with Trishu at the head too. Like the guy just kind of knows generally what to do to put his, his players in a position to win every game. And I'm talking about subbing La Paree at the half in this game is a bold move. Um, and it worked. I'm talking about, um, my favorite move of the year. An open cup style move we talked about earlier, throwing on like eight attackers against Sporting Kansas City to try to get just a freaking draw. You know what I mean? That was my favorite move of the season, and he's not afraid. Like he's he's playing, yeah, he's playing on house money in, in a lot of ways, and and he's having fun with it. Um, but I would say these veterans are like able to. He says, "This is what I'm gonna do." They know their roles. They go to work. You know, and and I think we've seen good results from it. All except for the the Memphis game, um, I've been very proud of this team for what they've been able to pull off. They're pros, right? Doesn't it kind of feel that way? For sure. Yeah, think, that, that Memphis game is going to sting yeah. though for for a while. No, I brought up. Yeah. Stuff. It's well, no, it, it's it's good to look at the bad with the good, and it doesn't feel like that was even the same team and. It was the exact same with the Memphis game last year where we lost one nothing. I don't know if it's the stadium or maybe, I mean, that field is absolutely god-awful. It's just <laughs> terrible. It was better this year, though, because there's no baseball being played on it. But I don't, I don't know what it is about Memphis, but they're, they've only won one game. Against us. And it was against <laughs> us. They're at the bottom of their group, so... <laughs> Uh, it doesn't feel good, especially how we just dominated them in the preseason. But maybe that's part of the team's identity—is playing up to their competition. Isn't that a hallmark of St. Louis FC? We always play yeah. up and down to our competition. No, I I feel like we play better against teams that are at the top of the table, which is good because we're in a group with Indy and Louis. Yeah. I agree. I have this theory about a lot of teams, but St. Louis has been like I feel like this has been their mo for a long, long time. Um, that 
we're good at defending against really good teams and countering. Like, that is our thing. That's why in the Open Cup, we've been so good for so many years. We've been able to do some special things because we're good at sitting back and organizing and countering and getting a goal. Um, so I think SKC2 is bad enough that we can attack them like crazy and still come out with wins and draws. But Memphis is that middle ground where it's like we have to attack them. If they're organized, then it's harder for us to win. That's my theory. I don't know. But I, I feel like that's been somewhat proven true throughout throughout the years, even with this more attacking team that we have this year. It's just harder to win when you're the attacker, right? I think the World Cup has kind of proved that. I've heard a lot of major pundits say that uh, in the modern game, you score goals on the tra- in the transition. And even a team like France in the World Cup scored goals in transition, which is so weird to think about. Um, but yeah, it's just the way it's played. So it, it works for us to be able to sit back and play. But um, I would say opposite of that is that we won in Pittsburgh with them sitting back and they're one of the best defending teams in the league. So that's pretty freaking amazing. I earned, this is the last thing I think we should talk, touch on with St. Louis FC as far as their play this year. But I, they earned a lot of my respect doing what they did against Pittsburgh because all the odds were against them. The fact that it's a Lily team that we had to score two goals against them to catch up on a draw. We're away to Pittsburgh and we still pulled it off. Oh, God, that's amazing. I don't even think we've touched on Wallfall's set piece. No, I mean, we haven't. That was a beautiful goal and it was exactly what we needed. And it wasn't even our last chance in that game. Like we talk about, you talked about in the first half, Stu, that by the time it ended, you were not expecting to be a little upset that we only get, came away with a point. But yeah, between Cicerone has to bury that ball oh, off the God. crossbar. <laughs> I, yeah, Russ, Russ. <laughs> I mean, I just spent I just spent so much time talking about him getting his confidence and everything, and yeah. I mean, right there, that that has to be buried. Hey, to be honest, I don't think he was expecting that ball. Because yeah, it, it came like the... It kind of just fell into his lap. Pittsburgh defender couldn't, uh, like, take the header well. And, like, it went on Russ, Russ's, mm-hmm. Russell's direction. And I don't think he was expecting it. Yeah, and he beat the keeper. He just, I mean, yeah. a couple inches down. A couple inches down. Off the crossbar and it goes in instead of out. If you're being mean... That's how it goes. If you're being mean, you should say don't ever turn off on a play, right? That's what you could say. Yeah, that's true. But he was Um, positioned well. Yeah, He He was in the right place at the right time. time. Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, you know, I say that, I don't actually mean that, to be honest. Like, that's what someone could say. I was shocked that Paul got to him, and he was equally shocked, yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Um, But, you know, that's why we have Wallfall in the the team. I forgot who's number seven. I'm blanking on his Todd name. Todd Wharton. Thank Todd you. Todd Wharton drew that foul um, with exactly what he's best at. I think I wanted him to be a little better attacking wise. I'm not sure if that's his positioning or if it's him or whatever, but his hustle earned that penalty. And I'm so, I mean, that's what he that's seems like. Thing. He always finds himself in the middle of a scrap. Yes. Like, he's chippy. Yeah. He's a lot chippier than I expected. Yeah. I love it. That's what he's here for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he earned that. And then Wallfall's on this team, not just to – I think without Wallfall, we're not able to play through the midfield. I think we fail miserably at it. And he's so um, talented. Thank, thank God, God we yeah. have him right. Uh, he makes such a difference on this team. But he's also there for set pieces, and, and we needed that. And he delivered, 
earned his paycheck that day, so. He, but he had not tried any set pieces up to uh, this game. I've been surprised how often he's not. Yeah, yeah. Like, remember, I think it was the game against Sporting KC. There was a free kick, kind of the same distance, same position. And I even told Hector, my co-host, I was like, Paul Fall is gonna take that free kick. That's his specialty. He was like, he's not, he's not taking it. And then uh, when uh, Todd Wharton drew the fall, and I was like, okay, hopefully Wolf Hall will take it, and he did. And it's funny because we, we spoke to uh, Coach Trishu that week, and uh, Hector asked him, like, so tell us what's going on with Wolf Hall. Like, we don't think he's performing the way he should be performing. Maybe he's not doing well physically, but uh, he's not doing what he's supposed to do and coach uh, he was like very honest he was like yeah i think you're right uh, he could be doing better he got here really late he got here the week uh, we went to indy so it will take him a few games maybe a few more games to uh, get to his level and uh, it's funny because he made a comment he was like he's one of those guys that i ask him okay well i want you to do this and he does it so for Saturday, I'm going to ask him to score a goal, and he will go and score a goal. And then what happened? He scores on that free kick. Should have thought of that, that one was earlier. Awesome. <laughs> I should say that every game. Right. What a great story. That's so good. Waffle, he's crazy. You know, um, Ottawa used him as a striker last year. I mean, he played. He scored a, like ninth in goals. It's ridiculous. The guys, it's he's just like the epitome of what you hear about German soccer. How like. Americans in the second and third tiers will just like get athletic freaks and put them out there. Germany puts like smart, slow players out there, and it's wall fall. Like he's not fast. He's not an athletic freak at all. Sometimes I wonder if he's even trying to run hard out there. Uh, but he doesn't need to. He's smart enough that he doesn't have to run his ass off the entire game. He knows when to run it hard, and he knows when not to. He knows where to be at all times, and he knows how to hit a free kick. He's great. Got the best vision, and maybe the best vision in the USL. Up there in the top ten, probably. Yeah, I, I think Walfall's strength is kind of to compare him to a guy like Colton Pareko, who's just another big guy, the size comparison, but they both make it look look easy. Yeah. I mean, Walfall's a tall dude. He can cover more stride, more in his stride, and when he has the ball at his feet, it doesn't look like he's trying very hard. Um, and he might be. I mean, he's very talented. He's, uh, he's just he so just intelligent about things, the game. Yeah, he makes yeah. things yeah. look easy. He moves the ball around. He, he doesn't have to be going 110% every second like some you know, sporting KC kid who's 17 years old <laughs> oh my God. trying to prove himself. And he's done a stop. He knows what he can do. He up at the end of a game into someone. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you have to bring that up. I like it. He's, uh, he, that kid should be happy that he uh, he didn't get worse off from Wharton and Fink because <laughs> they were not happy with him. Which one was it? Was he one of their midfielders? I don't even remember. Might have been, I don't know. We were riding their left back because he's kind of bad, but uh, uh, that's kind of what we do in our side. <laughs> kind of pick a player and go off on him. Uh, uh, the other thing that was great about what you just said is that you just compared Pareko 
Hockey? Hockey soccer. to soccer. I'll take it. I like that. It works, though. You did well. I enjoyed it. A little blues cl- crossover for you guys if you're listening. Um, let's move on, though. Um, we just talked about mostly good news with St. Louis FC. It's a tough group. They're doing good. They're holding steady in second place, and I'm so proud of them for doing so in such a tough group. Um, I have a lot of faith in these guys, like I said, after that. After that. Um, but, yeah, that's the good side. The bad side is... We've been getting haunting reports from Jeff Reuter. We've been getting very telling comments from freshly dubbed St. Louis City SC, um, from CKB and Lutz Fennenstiel. Um, let's just talk about it. We're going to find out at the end of this, this week whether St. Louis FC is going to declare active or inactive for the 2021 USL season. Um, I think we all have an idea of how that's going and where that's going. Let's just start with you, Matt. Um, what do you think is going to happen and how do you feel about it? I mean, it's it's the dark cloud over all the exciting things that are happening in St. Louis for soccer, right? I, I think the writing's on the wall. We all kind of... We all kind of have a, an inkling, a feeling about how this might play out. Um, you mentioned some of the comments, some of the lack of comments uh, play into just the the writing that you can see um you know if i had to pull out my crystal ball and and if i had a few minutes to cry in a dark corner about it it i don't unless something drastic changes or unless you know we read the athletic article where they're talking about a a financier and and finance needing needing somebody to step in and and help out um unless something is being worked on in a the room where it happens you know you don't see a future for the club and it's devastating for all the exciting things that are happening with with city sc no matter how you feel about mls the exciting things that are happening for soccer in st louis it has to go through this really horrible moment and that's really unfortunate we've talked for years about how perfect and ready-made things seem to be with and we've all seen the pyramid that was out a year and a half, two years ago. It all seemed right there for the taking. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about some of the reasons and the systems and the different ideas um, and styles that, that Lutz is going to bring to the academy on that side. But for for this club, it's, it's not the way that they deserve to go out. It's not the way the fans in St. Louis deserve to have the club they've supported go out. It's it's six of the best years St. Louis soccer's ever seen from a, a fan and supporter perspective. You know, they've never been amazing on the field, but that's not what it's been about. It's been about the culture. It's been about the experience. And it's been about professional soccer in St. Louis. Yeah, and the way that old-timers um, talk about the Steamers is how I'm going to talk about the St. Louis FC seasons as that period of six years of my life that I got to experience this really special thing. And, you know, knock on wood, we get eight years. Uh, But yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm excited for City SC, but it comes with that big asterisk of, they're not currently playing and there's a team currently playing that my heart belongs to and and my emotions won't be clear and completely free until I know what's happening. And even then, it's going to 
probably overshadow the joy a little bit of even the first year playing. We'll just because that'll be the first time for a lot of fans to get back together and kind of remember some things. And I just feel like emotionally for fans, it would be easier to just go from 2022 to 2023 and not have that break. And if there was more of a connection between the two clubs from a fan perspective, it would make everything way easier to accept. Now, of course, it's not my five or six million dollars to spend on it. Uh, and we don't know the politics behind what MLS and City SC and USL and STLC are saying because there has to be some sort of tension and politics going on there. So who knows? But it's just unfortunate that the St. Louis FC fans are getting caught in the middle of all of this when they really shouldn't need to be. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about it. So uh, unlike you guys, I haven't, I haven't been there since like day one. Uh, but this theme, this theme has grown on me. Um, like uh, going to games, uh, started to go in 2016, which was the second year. Like a game here and there. Went to more games in uh, 2017. Then I started doing uh, some work uh, with a radio station to broadcast some games and have been doing that for the last two years. But still, the team has grown on me. Uh, it's like, I cons like by now, I've been here since 2006. I consider myself a St. Lucian. And um, like, it, it hurts to see what's, what's going on. I think uh, the lack of, uh, or all the silence going on um, is hurting, is hurting the fans. And, and, I, I, and I feel it for everybody. Like, um, it would be better if the, if St. Louis SC was like maybe saying something about it, like but like the lack of uh, information, I think is killing everybody, and uh, not having like the thought of not having soccer in 2021 and 2022, I think is gonna take a lot of steam from what's going on right now, which is a lot of excitement about, about the new team. Um, I have been hopeful. Uh, I have been very optimistic. I always say, oh, they're working behind the scenes. They will figure it out. When that article uh, in The Athletics came out, I, I kind of lost most of it. Uh, but I still have a little bit of hope that maybe something will work out and we will get some news uh, between now and Monday. But for me, like, it's, it's just... Uh, really hard like to see what's what's going on and uh, see the fans that uh, have been there since day one for me as an outsider it's a little different but I feel for everybody well and I, I think that what kind of what you're talking about of that, that's your journey on St. Louis FC everybody's got their story right I agree we don't have the I mean I I'll be honest St. Louis FC doesn't have the biggest fan base in the world in the grand scheme of St. Louis sports, St. Louis FC struggles to break through to relevance. But for passionate supporters, we all have our own stories. You know, I came into the St. Louis, so I had no ties to the St. Louis soccer scene prior to 2015. Didn't even know we were getting a team until 2015. Started coming to a few games and eventually season tickets 2016 on you know i i fell in love with it the the culture they'd created the passion that everybody showed it was the the thing we say 
we had been saying for years and years, all you have to do is show up and you'll get it. Once you experience the St. Louis FC game in person, experience live professional soccer in St. Louis, you'll get it. We can talk for days about how passionate we are, about how a few thousand people are going to be devastated, but you don't get it really until you show up and see that passion in person. And so that's why it's it's a double-edged sword of seeing, and myself being one of the most passionate City SC supporters so far, I think, uh, seeing all these new fans crop up, seeing the fan clubs, the fan groups on Facebook pop up, and be so excited about the idea of professional soccer in St. Louis that you just you love it and you you know it's the best thing for the city and it will long term be the best thing for the city but you just wish they would have showed up for St. Louis FC. You wish that that kind of passion would have been there. And and there's all kinds of different ways to look at it, right? There's the the minor league stigma that they'll never be able to shake because it's American sports. And there's no second division in American sports to the regular sports fan. There's major leagues and minor leagues. And when your your top tier soccer league is called major league soccer, that stigma is never going to leave. But it, it so it's it's disappointing. It's sad. It's because there are thousands of fans who should be the linchpin of the support that City SC has, and. Well, I don't know if we'll ever really know the steps that got us from the original pyramid of talking with about St. Louis FC as part of it to here. But along the along that way, some of the most passionate supporters have become jaded, and it it's I think it's unfortunate for everybody. I don't think I don't think anybody is is turning a blind eye to that fact. You know, they're seeing the benefits of what City SC is doing and what they will do, but even, I, I, I have to feel that even the, the leadership of that group knows that this is not the ideal scenario for soccer in St. Louis. Yeah, I agree with you, and as you said, everybody's journey is different. Like uh, back in 2017 when MLS to STL uh, was around and it ended up not happening, I kind of saw it, okay, MLS is really the next step for St. Louis. But as I got more into St. Louis FC, uh, it's really hard to um, see what's going on and uh, just thinking about, okay, this may be the last year and we may not have any professional soccer for the next two years. I agree with everything you guys said. I think the next question I'd like to ask is, about Jim Cavanaugh, we put a lot of love and faith into Jim Cavanaugh, and he owns St. Louis FC, and I'm super sad to see the way this is going down. And he's an owner of both groups. He is the only common denominator between the two. And it's hard for me to watch you mentioned the silence, Santiago. The silence is killing me as a fan. It is just breaking my heart. Um, the thing that really broke my heart, I don't remember whose article it was. I've read so many. But there was one article that was written. I feel like it was the Rude, the athletic one with Jeff Reuter. Might have been the uh, STL Today one where they said... Um, how do you feel about St. Louis FC 
and what their next move is. And CKB replied, that's up to them. That was the SI article. That was the Sports Illustrated. It was, you're right. Yeah. Brian, Brian Strauss, Strauss wrote the best articles so far, in my opinion. He's he written one two, about Luke. The two most in-depth articles, Exactly. I think. Well, the soccer-centric articles. Yeah. Because, let's be honest, like, guys like us here... And like a lot, most of the Luligans, like we're soccer nerds, soccer nerds. We're not sports addicts, you know, we're not like St. Louis sports. I mean, we are, but we're soccer nerds. And Brian Strauss asked all the questions, mostly. Yes, the questions we wanted to yeah. know answers to. Yeah. I read yeah. his article and was like, thank you. Yeah. Thank God. Until you saw the answers. And then it was like, well, uh, yeah, you're right. But you know what? Uh, you know, I'll talk about that later. But, I'd rather know now than later. I'm sick of waiting. But the fact that she said that's up to St. Louis FC was like the most piercing comment I've read in this whole situation is it just was like immediately made clear. And I should have known because every USL team, with the exception of FC Cincinnati, they forget, they ignore the USL team. They ignore the fans. It happened even in Nashville, who was even trying at first to do that. And eventually they said, no, 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 no. we're going to do our own thing. We're going to start from scratch. And I understand why. I think it's a money thing. I think it's uh, they realize the major fans are going to be the average attender, blah, 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 blah. The Lul- Let's be honest. The Luligans are all going to buy those $30 tickets in the supporter section. That's what I'm going to buy. They need those guys in the boxes. They need the people buying um, 50-yard line, half-line half tickets in the front row. You know what I mean? Like, that's their bread and butter now. We're not. Um, and that just explains, like, the difference. Like, USL, to some extent, is such a boutique-style league. Yeah, it's minor league, sure. You can dub it minor league. But when I go, that experience is catered toward me, personally, you know? The, the beer, the showing up and yelling at the uh, players during the game and they turn their head when they hear me. They come and say hello at the end of the match. I get to talk to them. Like, it is such a fan-centric experience. It is such a, like, a boutique experience where it's only 5,000 people showing up to this game and it's quality soccer. Um, even if the individual talent isn't as good, they're trying to play pr- the beautiful game. You know, like, it is awesome. USL is such a cool thing. And we should mourn the loss of it um, if it does go. And I do think the MLS group is doing themselves a disservice to dismiss that whole way of thinking um, so soon, I should say, uh, and not continue it on in some form or fashion straight into MLS day one. So do you think for the ownership group it is like a calculated risk, like, they think, okay, we're gonna no. lose 2,000 St. Louis I'm FC sorry, fans, I'm gonna cut but you we're off. gonna gain. They don't care. They don't care. Don't that's you feel like that's? They don't think about it. Am I wrong? I don't. I don't know that I would say it's a calculated risk. Um, I think that you know, I, I don't. I don't think they devalue supporters and see supporters as people who will show up regardless. I don't. I don't. Maybe it's just that I don't want to think it, but I, I don't think that. I think I think it's a lot of business decisions that are being made about a sport that we are live or die by. We are 
passionate to no end by, and we're seeing the fruits of business decisions being made. Yeah. If if you think back to MLS to STL, Jim Cavanaugh gets um, Bain Capital guy. Paul Edgerly. Paul Edgerly. And Paul Edgerly has no soccer ties. He has no St. Louis ties. It's Jim Cavanaugh's uh, show to run, really. He's getting the financing. He's he's going to move St. Louis FC up. That was the assumption at the right. time. Falls through. Doesn't happen. Fast forward a year and a half. The Taylor family is the one that reaches out to Jim asking about soccer in St. Louis. At, at that point... The you know the behind the scenes things are happening in the summer of 2018. You get to the fall of 2018 when they unveil MLS for the Lou in October, and then they the website goes live. We see the St. Louis FC is a part of the plans. My take on that is they didn't know any better, and it was it was Jim's idea to include them. You know the Taylors that. And at that point, though, I think the Taylors are still running the show of choosing what kind of, because they're you know the main financiers, the primary owners, they probably aren't even familiar with St. Louis FC. They just want to bring a new team to downtown St. Louis. They want it for the city. It's always been about the city for them. From all of their philanthropy, everything they do is about making St. Louis City what it is. And it could play into what I was saying earlier of... St. Louis FC really hasn't cracked through the ceiling of relevancy in the sports landscape of St. Louis on a glow on a broad mainstream appeal. Yes, they have passionate supporters. We will go to every game. We will do whatever it takes. We'll travel. We'll we'll pay whatever you tell us to. But that's a few thousand people, and they're looking to fill a stadium of twenty plus thousand people. So it's a fine line. Are they going to take a brand? Even if they could, assuming that they, because there's been talks about, you know, can a nonprofit sell in that way? Assuming they could. Nope, they can. In the Reuter article, yes. it is possible. So, so because it is, knowing that St. Louis FC is in that position of, in the St. Louis sports landscape, is it the smart move for the city in the long-term future to take an existing brand that hasn't gotten the mainstream appeal or is it a better business decision, a better decision for St. Louis and for the city to create something brand new for the city? And it's obvious that they went with option B, creating something brand new for the city. But at that point, though, you've made that decision. You're going to come up with something new. Why Why have the initial thought of St. Louis FC as a part of this? And and that changed. So something changed at that point. And the popular theory, or at least the popular phrasing, is that they lied to us. I really don't think they lied to us. I think that they had that intention, however yeah. however naive it was, to just say, okay, that makes sense. We've got this existing structure in place. You've got the team, the academy, the youth system, the foundation. It's perfect. Plug and play. Let's go. Well, that all disappeared at some point April 2019 when those first stadium renderings came out. That's when it disappeared from the website. So at that point, they stopped talking about it. It was removed. It was gone. We have our screenshots still from it, but that's when they stopped mentioning it. So you figure some conversations were happening with MLS, with maybe between the Kavanaugh's and the Taylors of, and it could tie into something we're going to talk about here in a second of the pay to play, the free to play. If you go with the Gallagher approach in St. Louis FC, 
you're utilizing that pay to pay to play structure and your limiting is not the right word, but you're limiting yourself to that model, that pyramid where yes, an existing amazing structure is in place that is proven to develop talent, but you're in a way limiting yourself. Maybe MLS had a say in it in that all of their, most of their academies now are free to play and that's the direction they're going for it. All of these things I think play into that decision to separate yourself from St. Louis FC. I agree with you. I, I think the timeline you just laid out is exactly what I've been thinking. Who knows? But I think t- it's been very innocent the entire way. I really think like it's been a knowledge building situation. They started with Jim Cavanaugh's idea and moved on to their own. And here we are. You know, I, I think it's totally innocent. Um, well, and from, and from Kavanaugh's perspective, I'm, we know that St. Louis FC was top priority to get to MLS. Like whether, whether, it was, whether it was originally the plan when 2014 when he brought it here, no, I don't think it was. I've heard it wasn't. Going with that assumption, by 2016 it was. He wanted MLS. He wanted St. Louis FC to be a part of that. And so we know that option one for him is St. Louis FC to MLS. But the bigger goal for him is to bring MLS to St. Louis and everything that it entails. If... And it did. If it means MLS comes here and St. Louis FC goes away, that's the decision that appears to have been made. So that, and I'm not saying that's his call. It kind of seems like it's his call. Thank you. Okay, so that's where I wanted to pivot. And I, and I teased it earlier. <laughs> uh, silly. But um, last thing I'll say, and I, I got to get you guys in here, but I want to get this out that uh, this idea, this is not shots fired. It's just my feeling. Um, the idea that Kavanaugh is um, innocent in this whole situation, it's just like, let's think about what he wanted. And I think you just laid it out perfectly that he wants the top level of soccer in St. Louis. And so um, it, it, it should be in St. Louis. Agree, yeah. I mean, I have heard, let's say extra time, right? I've heard it from a lot of people, but I remember this, that episode on, of extra time where they talked about um, STL City, SC. Um, they were like, can you imagine an MLS without a St. Louis in it? No, it's, you can't do it. I mean, it would be ridiculous to have an MLS cut off new expansion and St. Louis wasn't a part of it. It'd be stupid on their part. Right. I mean, we can be that bold. We are the soccer capital. Isn't that what SC stands for? Soccer capital. (laughs) Soccer capital, soccer soccer city, (laughs) soccer city. But what I'm getting at is. That's what Kavanaugh has won for a long time, if not the whole time, who knows? But this idea that um, he's not contributing to this problem that that none of us are carrying, we, none of us like this, right? The disappearing of St. Louis FC, either Kavanaugh is part of the move that is to get rid of them, or he's a silent partner that's allowing them it to happen. So. Well, there's a, th- there's a third, there's the a third thing, but he's not innocent in the loss of St. Louis FC. So if you want to vilify him, go ahead. I'm not going to because I'm with him. Like I understand the movement. It just hurts me because it's my team. You know what I mean? But I do think like you have to be aware of the fact that he is implicit in the loss of St. Louis FC. He has to be. Because of his role of being in both, I think the the theory it could it's somewhat of a popular theory I think among supporters of St. Louis FC who are kind of jaded by City is Jim's being sidelined by by the Taylors. 
I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know if it's true. I'm just saying that's the that's the theory is that it's an option. Is that yes, he helped get them here, but as far as decision making goes, he's being exactly. sidelined. And now, to extrapolate from the quote of CKB in the SI article, St. Louis FC can do their own thing. Well, Jim is almost certainly under some sort of NDA. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what that covers, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's very clear that uh, City has made CKB the voice of the club. And all of the media interviews typically go through her. I think from now on, we'll see a lot more going through Lutz. But up to this point, it's all been CKB, basically. Yeah. In the beginning, there was more with, with Jim, and he's kind of been phased out. Now, if that's his choice or not, we don't know, but obviously making CKB, the, she's the main investor, the main person talking. She's the president. She's the president. Or CEO, sorry. CEO. She's the CEO. Yeah. CEO. That, that's been a decision that was either made by her, made by the group, or, or something. But we're not privy to those conversations. Uh, we're not privy to much, are we, Stuart? No, no, of course we are. At, at this level... It's uh, fine. At USL, we're privy to a lot more, but when we get to MLS... We, yeah, good point. We're privy to less. We, we don't have the, the connections of some of these these big guys, but... No, it, it definitely is disappointing, and to add another level to it, St. Louis FC is, in all intents and purposes, in my mind... Jim Cavanaugh's youth club. He played for Bush growing up. Mm -hmm. Like this is his club from from his youth, and SLU is basically, especially in that time, an extension of Scott Gallagher. Scott Gallagher, Bush, they both fed into SLU. So both him and, and Tom, this is their their childhood club. I mean, it's if we're experiencing this I assume that they're experiencing a lot of really really mixed emotions um, especially I mean I've, I've talked to Jim a lot of times I, I won't say I really know Jim but one thing everyone says about Jim and, and raves about Jim is his loyalty his loyalty to his employees and those who follow him and I, I can't see that Jim is really happy with how we're all feeling about all of this. And he's definitely not deaf to it. So the last few weeks and the next few weeks coming up, I'm sure are going to be really interesting and, and terribly conflicting emotional time for Jim Cavanaugh and, and, and Tom and anyone who's in that circle. It's just a... They're feeling what we're feeling, but it might even be magnified. So, like all things in U.S. soccer, this is just not easy and it's not simple. And always someone gets their feelings hurt. It's just a rule of U.S. soccer. If it's on Twitter, someone gets their feelings hurt. If, it's, if you follow a team, it's... But for me, that was the big draw of MLS always was that I knew that my club would be around in 20 years. When I eventually have kids, they'll experience the same club that I experience now. And with STLFC, 
it's grown into, I mean, I, I love him from the beginning and it's, it's grown to be a central core of who I am. But, you know, if, if you would tell me that if the club survives and there's no MLS, if they go out, if they stop playing in 2023 anyways, I would believe you. I mean, when we talk, we've talked about like backdoor ways that St. Louis FC can survive, or the the spirit of it, whether it's absorbing the team and rebranding it, making it the USL side of MLS. Everything changes, but there's still that. It's almost like that theoretical St. Louis FC is still here because they bought the license, they bought the franchise fee, and they're absorbing it. Just cutting it off is. I mean, it's there's no there's no easing into anything there. Yeah, but no, but it, to your to your point though, Jim, Tom, Pat, all they all feel the same way we do. But I, I, in some ways, they feel exactly like we do. They're like the personification of how we feel. Of this whole situation sucks, but there's an intense excitement for what's to come. They they know that what's coming is going to be great for the the youth development, for the city, for the fans, for the region. But this is not how anybody envisioned it going, them included. Yeah, we, we don't know all of that has gone on. Another element is the relations between USL and MLS are not, I believe, not nearly as cheerful as everyone likes to paint them. USL is not a cheerful subordinate to MLS. They have pretty big aspirations. Well. <laughs> yeah, and to... St. Louis FC is is the team that's caught in the middle. Sacramento Republic, they had it built into their USL contract when they joined. If they went to MLS, they keep everything. Oh. Uh, St. Louis FC, we didn't. So you just don't know. I mean, St. Louis FC could be the team that the league's decided to fight over. It, maybe not. Maybe so, but Charlotte, Independence, they don't have that issue. We're in a unique situation that other clubs aren't in. And it, it's really not not a great place to be as a supporter. Again, it, you, you don't want to be caught in the middle of these things. Yeah. I completely agree. I think we are caught in the middle. Santiago, any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, just thinking about Jim and Tom, um, I think they are in a tough situation. I'm not going to judge them until this is over and we have all the information and all the details about what's going to happen with St. Louis FC. One thing I wanted to get your opinion on, if St. Louis FC is somehow absorbed by uh, St. Louis City SC, would you guys be happy with that? Would you be okay with that? I could I could always tell myself that the USL side we're watching for City was St. Louis FC. I mean, their history, it's almost like, I guess if you're a Miami fan, you can say your history flows through Ottawa. But in that same kind of way, <laughs> where, it, you know, but we have more of a passionate um, love for that, where it they would be buying the franchise fee. They wouldn't really, they're rebranding it, all that. So yes, it would be, it would, it would almost be exactly what we want at this point. Best case scenario, we know St. Louis FC is not continuing on, but we're getting that team in spirit flowing into. Whether they take a hiatus or not, you know, if, and this is what I was thinking of, all right, what is actual best case scenario? Like realistic best case scenario here. 
because I, I, I mean, even myself, Mr. Positive, tend to think there's really no hope in the USL side um, continuing as it is. Best case scenario would either be for me, City buys the franchise fee, franchise rights. Maybe they take a year off to develop their academy and get some players signed, and and Lutz can develop his structure, and then they bring it back. I don't know if USL would allow that because, again, to Stu's point, it would be the USL-MLS relationship, and USL would basically be be giving up probably a year of this franchise could be sold to Baltimore or something. Instead, it's going to an MLS club. It's going to kill it for a year and then bring it back. But the other, the other more realistic thing for me is St. Louis FC folds. They sell their franchise rights. But Gallagher goes on. Gallagher's not going anywhere. No. You're still going to have... And MLS Youth Academy or Youth League still exists. St. Louis FC is a part of that right now. They have a spot as one of those founder clubs, not related to MLS. So you remember the MLS Youth League that kicked off yeah. last year or was announced? MLS St. Louis, St. Louis City, and then St. Louis FC. Yeah. Well, there St. Louis FC can... St. Louis teams Right, St. Louis FC can still go on, but... <laughs> By the way... I see... The, the quote... I got from a certain comms director was that that was just playing it safe. Quote, it quote, safe. playing it safe that they didn't know what was going to happen. If it does, I see more likelihood at this point that it's St. Louis Scott Gallagher in that role. Maybe they rebrand the academy, or it goes back to Gallagher for those age groups. I don't know, but I, I, I think Gallagher would probably just stick with ECNL at that point. Do you think yeah. so? Um, I don't. Would they even be allowed in the USL Academy at that point? Yeah. Oh. Without USL, because they're in the remember San Luis FC is also in the USL Academy. There yeah. are USL Academy teams that don't have USL teams. Okay, so it's like possible. Cedars, oh, they do. Cedar yeah. Stars yeah. in Iowa. Same um, deal with the MLS one then, so you don't have. Well, here's to be, the deal. Yeah, no, they're, they're all positioning to kind of be USS or USDA. Right. Yeah. I don't think you have to worry about Gallagher being kicked out of the MLS at all because I mean, what I view this as is um, more than likely if, if what you're saying is true, we're going to have like a Chicago Fire Academy, Chicago Soccers. Is it the Soccers? Yeah, Soccers SC. Soccers SC. It's going to be that situation or like the same thing happens in Texas where uh, Dempsey came from like there are some really good independent academies that are just going to survive this whole thing and still play on the highest academy level and just not be attached to anything other than themselves. And um, I think my only hope as like a diehard St. Louis FC fan is like if I had one wish, it would be that the academy doesn't go by at least the U19, the U17, the U15. I pray that they still go by St. Louis FC over the years because... They're going to be good for a while. Not, I mean, I beat this to death, but we got third place in U19 in the fucking nation, everyone. We beat multiple MLS academies. Um, And my opinion is, everyone's been talking about how uh, U.S. soccer's been getting soft over the years. And I think our national team has shown that to a certain extent. Maybe it's the... uh, uh, what the down years, I forget what they call that, but um, for the national team. But there are a lot of like technical uh, U19 teams out there that are developing out of this like USDA thing. 
out of uh, their new way of teaching players how to be. And I think St. Louis FC really was able to dominate by just like being ballsy. You know what I mean? Like in that DA tournament, we were the ballsiest like academy in the tournament, in my opinion. And we had enough talent to kind of push ourselves over the edge, but we were able to defeat technical ability and flashy ability with blood and guts. And that's what St. Louis FC is, right? I mean, even the USL team, that's what we are. And it's really cool to see the academy do the same thing. And I just, what I'm getting at is I just pray that that continues and that we have our blood and guts St. Louis FC academy going on for years to come. And uh, perhaps we have the MLS technical European style academy right next to it. And they, they all produce players. The last thing I'll say about that is that Joshua Penn just signed from the Soccers to Indy 11 today. Uh, yeah, and so he could have gone to the fire as a homegrown probably. I think he's in their, their area. Instead, he chose to play for Indy 11, and he also chose to play there over playing for a great college program in the Indiana Hoosiers, and I think it's a higher level than even the Indiana Hoosiers. So it's a cool thing. It's an interesting world we're in right now. It's not all bad. Um, but there is some goodness to be had in our future, no matter what happens, right? Um, but do you guys feel like that's what's going to happen? That we're going to have like two academies? Honestly, I think the talk that we've heard so far about St. Louis City SC's academy structure, knowing that Lutz is creating something from the ground up. He's got his vision. He can do whatever he wants. It's going to be free to play. Is going to be such a disruption to the St. Louis soccer scene. I, I, I think it's it's almost impossible to, to see what uh, Gallagher or what St. Louis FC Academy would look like in five years, knowing that next year you're getting a free-to-play academy system up and running with, uh, I think he was, I think Luke said he was starting with the 15s 15 and 16s. 15 and 16, yeah. yeah. So you start with that group, you expand it. By 2023, they're going to have an entire system of, of age ranges up and running. And when you have that kind of appeal, that you can draw players from all over the region, the city, city, county, state, neighboring states, Lutz said he was targeting, and you can offer the promise of top-level system you know, for all the inherent flaws within that system. You can offer that promise. You can offer the highest visibility, and it's, it's free to play. It's got the perfect mix of being able to attract all the best players. So what does that mean for an academy system like St. Louis FC who tries to compete with that? You're going to have people who choose to go there for coaches, for relationships that are quality. And so they're not going to have like just this drop off of talent. But I don't know if they'll be able to, even if they continue to exist, uh, retain the same level of competitiveness and talent that they've had up until now. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into Lutz, because um, he was hired. I'm super excited about Lutz. Uh, uh, I think he's going to be an interesting character. We'll see about his quality. He'll have to prove it, right? Uh, maybe we can give him a little bit of show-me-state love, right? Like, prove yourself to us, and we'll, we'll trust you, and we'll love you. Um, but he's a character, and he talks a big game, and everything he's talking, the big game he's talking... Sounds really good to me, to be honest. He's like, saying all the right things. Yeah, right? Like, I'm happy with the things that he's hammering home. My favorite thing is the 
lack of a pay-to-play that he wants to have a free academy. And you know, I, I think as we talk about everything that he's going to bring to to the academy, to the development, even to the pro team, I think it's it's interesting to note that I think the only I think it's pretty clear the only reason he's here is because there is no relationship with San Luis FC. The big I disagree. Well, the so okay. let me make my case. Sorry, I'll make the case. <laughs> I want to hear that. One of the overarching themes he keeps saying in every single one of his interviews is he had no interest in any other MLS side. He had, I think he had options. Possibly Vancouver was an option. The relationship exists. He, we know he had offers from Italy. Um, Newcastle. Yep, yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, so I think Inter Milan and Newcastle. Good choice. Uh, Running away from that, in my well, opinion. Well... <laughs> But he kept going back to the reason he chose this group, besides the ownership's vision, so he kept saying ownership vision here, is the total control he had to develop a system from the ground up. There was nothing here. It was the most unique opportunity he could come across. And I'm not saying he just, like, if that opportunity existed in Des Moines, Iowa, he would jump for it. You know, you've got to sell the the city, the area, the culture. Ownership clearly did that. But the point is... He had a blank slate. That was his. That's his thing. He's kept saying, "Blank piece of paper." That doesn't exist if you have a relationship with St. Louis FC. So I'm not saying we couldn't have found a better or a good sporting director besides Lutz. I'm just saying, specifically talking about Lutz here, he wouldn't have happened with a St. Louis FC relationship. Agree. Um, but at the same time, I don't. I don't think Lutz comes without St. Louis FC existing, or at least the system existing. Because in every interview, he mentions Josh Sargent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Josh Sargent obviously made a, either made a big impression impression on Lutz, or he's just the only player from St. Louis that Lutz knows about. But I guarantee he knows that he's attached indirectly to City FC, and I sure I'm, I'm sure he sees him as a prototype of what the future academy will be able to cultivate and and bring. Agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my fear with Lutz is that he just won't be here in 2023. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. He has been everywhere. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> he, so he, you think he's going to be broadcasting our first game? Oh, my God. <laughs> he could be. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't, I, and this is not a knock on the man's character. I, I don't intend it that way, but he's held one job for longer than a year in 25 years. And, um, or rather, I mean, I don't know when Fortuna hired him, so it might be closer to a year and a half of that. It wasn't that much longer, yeah. Yeah, but with, with Hoffenheim, he was there seven years, but as an international scout, which I think can mean a lot of things, and it can be a really loose relationship. Uh, he had more control at Hoffenheim, too. Not to the extent he will at City, but he, he speaks highly of, of his ability to kind of create there yeah I'm, I'm I, I don't doubt the man's ability to create I, I think that there have been other strong personalities that have come to MLS and just like a wave against the beach just beat their head against the wall and just go away and three year two and a half years is a long time for for someone who wants to create something in their vision if they can't do it they might get frustrated get an offer to 
be the NBC commentator, replace Kyle Martino or something, who, who knows? I mean, I want him to be here in 2023. I'm just a little cautious about a guy who doesn't have the track record of sticking around to stick around. Mm -hmm. Also, given how he wants to be a guy that changes things and molds things, and MLS can be pretty rigid yes. on a lot of their structures. And U.S. soccer, and even more specifically, a, a huge fault of St. Louis soccer. There, there are old guys who have been entrenched in CYC for 70 years. And they can be miserable to deal with. Yep. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that was the biggest reason why I was a, a huge Dan Flynn homer being attached to the team was yeah. Dan knows everyone in St. Louis totally. soccer beyond American soccer, who he knows everyone too. He knows everyone in St. Louis soccer, and that could be a bad thing too. So, so Lutz, Lutz could be phenomenal, and I like the guy, and I like that he's a the most interesting man in soccer in the world, as they put it. Like, I can't wait for that book to arrive. Yeah, <laughs> Lutz or. Maradona. I mean, I'd think Lutz, but they're probably bo both as entertaining as a director. So it, he's honestly was more exciting, more interesting than the hire I expected, which is, I think I told you guys I expected a championship director. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like a Birmingham City guy mm -hmm. to leave and get picked up. I mean, he, he's exciting. I want him to be around, but it just makes me a little nervous. The stories I want to know from from this ownership group includes how they came across Lutz, how they yeah. got in contact with him. Like, how did that relationship develop? Because, I mean, you can't there had there couldn't have been a pre-existing relationship there. No, like, there's no way CKB's got Lutz's number since college or something like that. <laughs> I will say I will say that CKB and I like this is hammering home the international scale, you know, like the international level thing, you know? So like they want the city name because that's something the world recognizes. The world soccer organization has recognizes the city thing, you know, as this is what we call a club. That's a big deal. And the weird thing I see in Lutz is I'm with you, Stuart, as I worry because I wonder if he doesn't know what he's getting himself into as well, because MLS is a, if there's an award for the weirdest soccer league in the world, it is MLS, right? And thank God they he's mentioned in an article I noticed today that he wants to hire someone who's familiar with MLS, mm -hmm. but he's in for a, a world of hurt and a lot of studying and figuring out how MLS works because it is so freaking weird. And he may have a bunch of ideas of how he wants to do things, and he may be shut the hell down, like you're getting at, Stuart. And um, I'm just worried. Like, he said a, a lot of weird things like, hey, I want to build a club like Atlanta United, and I want to build a club like LAFC. But he also said this is a club that's not going to spend a lot of money. There's a major disconnect there, right? And he may be smart enough to know, okay, I built a team at Dusseldorf who doesn't have a shit ton of money. So I know how to find these guys who are hungry and we're going to bring them in. We're going to use them and we're going to sell them on. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is I think I have a lot of money to work with. 
oh no, I can't buy the quality players I want from South America. Oh no, I'm in trouble. Like with all these rules with MLS, I thought I could buy this guy and this guy and this guy, and now I can't buy them. I don't know what to do. And we've seen this in MLS. This has happened in MLS. Uh, Since he has had some major problems with what they thought they could spend and what they have spent, whether USL uh, players are good enough and then relying on European players and then realizing they can't afford them because they don't have enough slots. Like there's a a shit ton of things that can go wrong and he could be amazing. He could be terrible. He could be somewhere in the middle. Like, it's just like my mind's all over the place right now. It's early. I can't think of a much worse comparison over the next two or three years than Cincy and how they develop their MLS club. If, if we're comparing our moves to Cincy's entrance in MLS, we're doing it wrong. What I find, last thing I'll say is what I find interesting is if he wants to be like Atlanta United and LAFC, and let's put that together with, this is my conspiracy theory, let's put that together with, conspir- uh, with CKB saying that she wants to be in an international, internationally recognized brand with City. Do you think they'll spend money? Do you think we'll be the highest spending Midwest MLS team? It's, I'm just saying that with the information we have, the idea has been put out there. And I'll stop there. I think pre-COVID, that would maybe be a possibility. Um, but just because CKB in the past has said she's very competitive, her family's competitive, yep. they don't want to lose. Um, and we, we do know that the Taylor family is very well off, to put it lightly. Um, and they're, they have deeper pockets than some MLS ownership groups. Uh, the, the downside, of course, and if we're honest, and I'm as big of a city homer as you'll find, but St. Louis isn't going to compare to L.A. Or, uh-huh. or Atlanta or New York City as far as cosmopolitan appeal. Even, even Minneapolis, um, to get a guy like uh, Sporting got with Johnny Russell, that would be, to me, the type of guys who, who Lutz is looking for. Who's, Russell was hungry, very, very hungry when he came to SKC from Derby. I, he, he can say he wants that, and maybe he just means it because he wants a, a young, exciting team like Atlanta or with LAFC, he's going to buy the big star and, and like Vela. Well, I, I hope he doesn't have that expectation because we could end up spending a lot of money for... Adi, who does nothing. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it was being superficial on what he was saying. I took it more of the early success of those teams as opposed yeah, to how you build a, how you build a roster, how you how you structure your club. You know, you, and I think it was um, Paul Tenorio on Extra Time who said if he had to, you know, taking what the Taylors have said, what uh, what Lutz has said, he would see San Luis City entering as a second or third year Minnesota United. Second year would be a little rough, but third, I, I would take third year Minnesota United. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think St. Louis will be the biggest expender. Uh, Lutz has already said it. Uh, he wants guys who are hungry, who are eager to make it to the next level. And his job is going to be to find those guys here in the United States or overseas. But. Um, one thing I wanted to say about him, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, he's not familiar with 
with the MLS rules, uh, but I'm sure somebody, when he was interviewed, mentioned all those, or, or I hope that somebody mentioned all those rules and all those restrictions that it's not about, okay, we have this $300 million that you can spend on the team. Like, there are some restrictions and there are some things you can do and some things you will not be able to do. But I like his vision. I like the fact that uh, he's an outsider. He's not that familiar with U.S. soccer, with St. Louis soccer, and that he found some value on having that clean slate and it started from zero and building a thing. So I like what St. Louis SC is doing. I like their vision. I like that they want to unite the city. I like the fact that they want to be a disruptor on this pay-to-play system. So it will be interesting to see what um, the team and lots can do uh, between now and 2023. Yeah, I agree with you. I just want, I, I think I just threw that out as like, I'm worried about these kinds of things. I do agree with you. Like he's not coming from city, Man City. He's not coming from Liverpool. He's not coming from Bayern. He's coming from Hoffenheim who grew from the bottom, right? He's used to financial restrictions. Exactly. Yeah. So I do think, and he's, and he's part of clubs who are tough. You know, he's part of clubs that fight to win. And so that's where I should settle, honestly. I, I guess I was just expressing my, my worries that this guy doesn't know what he's getting into, but. Well, and he's, he's not entirely unfamiliar with MLS. Played here. You know, he's he mentioned played, MLS a couple times. Like he in played USL, right? Yeah, he played with Calgary um, and Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver's the one That's that I right, know. Vancouver. Um, but but so at, you know, as a player, um, and then he's not unfamiliar with. I'm sure some of the broad. I'm sure he knows what Gam and Tam are conceptually because nobody really knows what they are. What is that? Yeah, <laughs> but that's where higher. He, he he's saying the right things, and saying the right things is saying I need a staff that is familiar with this to inform me. You know, as I navigate this this landscape, so. I, He's not saying anything wrong. And I think that was the big thing for for all of the, the fans and supporters is when he started talking, giving interviews, what his vision is. The fact that he has basically held almost every kind of job that would need to inform his current job. The scouting job, I think, is going to be huge for what he's looking to do here. I think all of that is exciting to see, but... I don't know if you can take all of those previous jobs and then make them into a cohesive, cohesive plan and structure. It, it's going to be interesting to see all that develop. I will be really interested to see who his first few hires are on the sporting side. And, you know, I'm anticipating a academy director at that level kind of being yeah, you're right. priority. It has to be soon. I mean, yeah. he, he could start in the spring. Yeah, they could set up the academy. In no, the he has to. If what he said is true, if he wants homegrowns from the by academy, he's going to start by twenty twenty three. Yeah, start if he started with fifteens and sixteens, yeah. If he doesn't start, he's already failed. So in March, he he has to. So over the winter, yeah, academy director yep. and several coaches. Yeah, that's big. That's big, and I think we'll I think we'll talk about that kind of thing and like perhaps options of. Uh, what what St. Louis City in 2021 and 2022 might look like, even perhaps on the USL level of some sort. I think we'll talk about that next time. Let's finish up with some light 
conversation because this is all pretty heavy. We've gotten pretty heavy tonight. Let's talk about like something silly and easy uh, because it's been beaten to death already, but I do think we ought to put in our two cents. Um, let's talk about the colors. Let's talk about the, uh, the logo, the branding. Um, Santiago, why don't you start us off? Hey, uh, I was looking forward to this <laughs> because yeah, obviously there is a lot of debate. Is it red? Is it pink? <laughs> What is it? You tell me. I am. You decide. I am pink red. I'm looking forward to seeing that pink kit as the first kit. Not second, not third, but first kit. Be different. St. Louis, St. Louis CDSC wants to be different. That's a statement right there. Be different with your kit. Be pink. I like it, Matt. I think up until now, I've probably championed the team red conversation not that i wanted it to be red it's just that's how my eyes work i i saw it as red um i saw they they did a fun thing where they actually put the little color palette uh numbers out on twitter today first time i had seen them i they might i think they've been put out there but so first thing i did naturally is google it all right what color is this and sure enough uh color cyclopedia or whatever it was says it is a shade of pink so team pink right here. Yeah, um, I forgot the phrase, but um, uh, the very first day they released it, actually, this is within the first hour they accidentally released it. Oh yeah, someone oh, actually. My God, that was awesome. Yeah, someone actually went online in the BGN Slack and like, I guess there's a place. It's kind of like that. You can put in that color and it'll give you like six different options for like what very, it's called. Variations close to it. Yeah, and one is like. Spanish Piazza or something like that where it was oh no it was uh Scarlet something and it's made it sound like it sounded very sexy well I liked it I'll tell you it whatever it's called yeah. it's a gorgeous color yeah. I mean that color stands out that color makes a statement like I, I like that they call it city red because it ties back into and it's kind of what they did it ties back into the city colors you know red blue and yellow I don't want them I did never wanted them to have red blue and yellow that was it, traditional red, blue, and yellow. Let me right. say that. It's overused in MLS. It is Chicago right there. You don't want to have those same colors, and we don't. The shades they went... I've always said that it's not the colors they select because we've always thought they might skew towards the city colors. It's the shade of the color that's going to matter. And this shade, this pink shade, is going to stand out. And I think... I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I could have swore that... There's something about the color you choose as your primary color in your ability to have it as your number one kit. Like, it has to be a dark enough shade. And so if they had gone with a pink, like an Inter-Miami, for instance, right. couldn't use it as your first kit. And just because we're doing a podcast, I'm not going to cite sources because I don't have any sources to cite right now. But I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. You do have the best sources in the I, group. <laughs> but I think that the whatever the, the shade that they went with is going to look amazing as our primary kit. Because it has to be. CKB said it herself that yep. she didn't. She didn't go with this color to not wear it. So they didn't name the team St. Louis City to not call it City. Very intentional decisions being made here. They're going to wear that shade as their primary kit, March 2023 at home. It's going to look amazing. The colors. I I love everything about the colors. Um, the the darker river blue. That I think it's a energy yellow and arch gray. Yeah. Love the love the branding on it. I hope they use them all over the years. 
Every uh, one oh, of them. Once we see that alternate kit, you were talking about it earlier, that alternate yellow is gonna look amazing. Hell yes. Yeah, you could do a main, mainly yellow alternate kit, something like that. If they really wanted, they, well, they can't because Adidas will make sure they have an all white away kit, but they could have done, you know, there's yeah. got to be the token boring the home away and right to some level. But yeah, no, I, I, I gotta be honest. It wasn't what I expected. And their primary color was very bold. And I liked that. And I liked the statement that I made that it was bold. Um, the crest, someone said it reminded them of a league one crest and with Crest, they, they grow on me or they don't. MLS rebrands pretty often, so it's it, it's better in Nashville. It's better in Chicago. I like it better in Charlotte. I do too. And, and once you see it more around town, you get used to it, you kind of adjust to it. Uh, I think the biggest hate that I hear from the Crest is the abstract designs they went with. I don't. I mean, it, it was. It's the knee-jerk reaction, right? You see it, and you don't expect an arch to look like that. So you're looking for an right. actual, an arch that looks like an arch. You're looking for rivers that look like rivers. You're not looking for abstract versions of those. I think it speaks to exactly what you're saying that it'll grow on people. Yeah, and and I have some friends who are amateur graphic designers who who hated it and mocked up their own versions. And I have a lot of friends who are professional graphic designers, and they nearly all loved it. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. So. Oh. I mean, the, the text on the side of the crest was kind of divisive, but a guy like uh, Fat Deuce, Mike Pendleton, really liked the abstract, and he liked the arch, how it goes. Well, I mean, in the end, you want professionals to design this because it's going to be the club's branding. You don't, I mean, it is easy to take uh, something that professionals come up with and then have fans tweak it, because they'll tweak it a million different ways, and some of those ways will be just beloved, but... You know, knowing knowing some of the people that developed the crest and how many eyes were on it, and the credentials of those people who developed that stuff, I, I think that it will be the right move long term for the group. Yeah, and again, oh, and the animation of it. Change it. Have, and I love the animation. A, a very large, small part of me hopes that they change this <laughs> before the first kickoff for the people who get tattoos. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> to just like, oh man, oh, what, what do I do now? Uh, also, so all of our current merch can be that vintage. Th yeah, the like, vintage, yeah. Like it's like the Blue we, City merch from from the 2015 or or from the two hours yeah. that they. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They, all those things. I mean, it, the half a day rebrand. But Blue City at least listened. I'm like Chicago, but. You, you know which still looks awful on TV yeah like seeing that on seeing that graphic it's terrible it's too vertical the, everything doesn't fit doesn't fit the fire and whatever else it's supposed to be there everyone hates the it's white caps logo yeah a worse version of the white caps right no the, the I mean the colors are great They're... I like that they kept it simple with two colors I see some of the fan designs where they try to throw yellow in and they try to add in, you know, two or three more colors. It just seems too busy. I saw one fan concept that had the arch be yellow and didn't seem to understand that that would have been a terrible decision. It was just too much. It's no, the yellow river was the worst one. 
You can never live down a yellow river. <laughs> the I, the best the best fan one I saw that I really liked. It was really simple. It took where the the confluence connects right under the arch, and it removed one of the lines so that the rivers are actually flowing into the, each other. So that's an interesting thing. That if I go off on like a, a St. Louis history tangent here, the official flag representation of the St. Louis city flag is three separate rivers and it's not a confluence right it's the merrimack the missouri and the mississippi on the flag though most people think of it as because it makes sense as the confluence no one thinks of the merrimack um and the official st louis city explanation is a confluence i grew up in franklin county so it hurts to hear you say nobody cares about the merrimack oh i go on the (laughs) merrimack all the time my parents live in franklin county so i go by there all the time. My comment was that the Merrimack has worn itself out of uh, St. Louis soccer for all the damage it's done. Oh in the my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's welcome. It's I like time. it. But, uh, no, it's just interesting thinking of it. But also just thank God we're not Confluence FC. I agree. There are a lot of... Amen. Is that the bottom line? Like, thank God it wasn't all the things that it almost was right boring that's my better yeah. and it was bad. it was almost I, I don't know how close their their final four ended up being to what they but their final four were city united gateway and stars for sure you know that that was in it was in one of the articles oh. that came out shortly after that it's the best of those four right yeah for sure 100 yeah. percent. they made the right choice i would have been okay with stars but yeah i've been okay with stars I'm one of the few that liked Gateway. As Gateway no FC or as St. Louis Gateway? Or Gateway St. Louis? I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to go with that. The, the reason that CKB gave, gave for not choosing Gateway made sense to me, which is no one outside of St. Louis understands what you're talking about. A great, it makes total sense, and she made the right choice in that way. So. And also, as branding, when you say Gateway, it means you're, you're also leaving that place. Your path to somewhere else. Yeah. Which, I That's love the gateway point. to the West, but it also means that you're passing through and you're not staying, you're not creating we something. Were, we were Fly the starting point. footy, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Thank no, you. Okay, sorry. moving on. <laughs> it all ties together. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but, but yeah, gateway, like, you will have to explain to somebody who is not from St. Louis what gateway means. So if you want to be international, I think city is the right uh, name. I like how it sounds, like I'm going to see this game. In, in Spanish, voy al see this game. Like, I like it, like, I like how it sounds. It's international. And uh, I also like the idea behind it that uh, the group from MLS for the Loo wants to be uh, a group that will be uh, a group uniting the city and bringing this different idea about uniting all these different uh, municipalities of St. Louis. So I like that idea. I like how we can say that they're wanting to unite the north, south, east, and west without it being just beating over the head with unite, 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 and yeah. the teams united. Like, I'm good with using the term unite since that's not the team name. Yeah, it just would have been too... too not too on the nose or too aggressive, but if the team would have been united when the region really isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That aspirational way. Eh. Yeah, it, the aspirational way of using city 
I like it. I do. And and I know there are some people out there who, who hate it when they see the St. Louis city flag outside of the city limits, but I love it personally. Like I love seeing the St. Louis city flag in Illinois or in Kirkwood or, or wherever because I, it, we're one region and we mm-hmm. should be. We coalesce around the city. Exactly. And I think that's what, I mean, the Taylors are a family that they don't live in the city. They have their headquarters outside of the city, mm-hmm. but you won't find anyone who is more hands-on in what's going on in the city than the Taylors, except of course, maybe Kavanaugh and, and, and Tom with, you know, they're big involved in like St. Patrick's Center and, and SLU and all those things. There's everything doesn't stop just at Skinker McCoslin. Like there's, we're a region and we gotta act like it eventually. Eventually. I like, my favorite thing as a city dweller, you know, I put it in the article in RFT, like, I hope it's what, I hope it's like kind of part of their aspiration as well. I don't, who knows? I don't know if they would even say it, but I hope that that is like, I hope the city becomes like a, a battle cry, if you will, of we named it city in the hopes that we would unite as a region and maybe someday we will. You know, it's my hope as a city resident that we'll all connect to each other one way or another again. Um, and we need it as a region. Um, even if it doesn't happen, it, it'll still in my mind stand as a, uh, a hope, a desire for the future that we named our, our team St. Louis City SC as hopefully uniter for the entire region and um you know if it doesn't happen it's fine but um i just think it works on it works on a lot of levels and i like it as as something that we need to support we need to ensure the viability of because the city the city of st louis is the economic center of the region it's the cultural center of the region in most ways there it's diverse it it draws people in i mean st louis when you say st louis it wouldn't be st louis without st louis city and the last point i want to make is that if you combine that city aspiration idea again this is me this is not them with the no pay to play model we have a lot of potential in our future and i really hope that we connect those two thought processes together that United States soccer in general, not just St. Louis, U.S. soccer in general needs to find our best athletes and get them playing soccer. We need to include multiple cultures, not just the guys that show up to the La Liga amateur league in the city, not just all the immigrants that there aren't many of in St. Louis, but you know, like we need to get all neighborhoods in St. Louis thinking about soccer and considering soccer as their main sport going forward. And I know there will be no payoff for a long time if they invest in, say, North City or uh, Normandy or a lot of neighborhoods that don't play soccer anymore, right? But I hope they do invest in that, even if the payoff is 50 to 100 years down the road. That's my desire for the region, that soccer in St. Louis becomes a multicultural sport. And the lack of pay to play is a nice 
gateway to that, if, if you'll allow the, plun, the pun. Well, because people outside of St. Louis see the talent that St. Louis produces, and they see St. Louis as a hotbed for soccer. But here in St. Louis, we think of ourselves in a lot of ways as you can succeed in soccer if you've got the money. And, and that's, in a lot of ways, how kids are being raised to deal with the sport in the area that, you know, go to basketball or soccer. Well, if you go to soccer, it's going to end up costing me a lot of money to send you to the right, the right camps, the right academies. It's, so let's go, let's go to basketball and just get you going, developing your skills, go play at your, play at your school. You know, it's, it's shifting that mindset that'll pull a lot of people in when you open up those opportunities. Imagine how many Alfonso Davises St. Louis has I was thinking that same thing. Yep. Just because of the system. Mm -hmm. He was discovered at a free-to-play, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's the Bosnian's name that plays for Hertha Berlin? Oh, Zidane Ibisevic. Yeah, Ibisevic, Ibisevic. Um, you know, there's a lot of those in St. Louis. I've heard there's a, this is a whole other episode, but there are tons of amateur soccer players in the United States, a lot of them immigrants that only play for money that are probably good enough to play for free <laughs> in an amateur league and then move up. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stories about some really quality players that either aren't getting a chance with someone like St. Louis FC or higher, or they're playing for um, Maritza who is a stacked team, right? And being successful in UPSL, such a fun team to watch. I'm There's glad they're back. Me too. Um, I'm gonna be watching a lot of them in the next, in the next years if, uh, if there's no USL or whatever, pro soccer. I'm gonna be watching a lot of Maritza, I'm gonna be watching a lot of St. Louis Club Atletico, which I'm wearing their jersey tonight in honor of that idea. Um, there's a lot of untapped potential in, in St. Louis, I mean, so. We gotta take advantage of it. That's a start, right? And then maybe we move on to people who don't even know what soccer is right now. Families and ch children and grandchildren of guys who don't know what soccer is right now. Maybe those guys start playing soccer. That's what I want. Well, and regardless of how long Lutz ends up sticking around, whether it's three, five, 10 years, the foundation he builds is going to be what sustains yeah. the club. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be what drives these systems and structures that are ancillary to the team as well. So watching him develop, it, I mean, no pressure, right? No yeah. pressure, Lutz. But watching him develop this system and the inclusivity that comes with that is going to be exciting because we know it's kind of a, an omen of things to come. He's got something special in his hands right now, you know, and I think, I think he knows, he knows it. it. Yeah. yeah, he knows it. And we all care very much about our little soccer baby that he's got in his hands right now uh, that we'd like to see develop into something special. So um, we all care very much. I think that's abundantly clear in this podcast. I know it's been a while, but I think that's a good thing to close on that. Um, we very much care about soccer. There's a lot of potential for soccer in St. Louis. It's already something special, and it can be something that's special on the world scale. And I think that's what we are all hoping for. And we all just hope that it's done right. We care for what has happened. We care for what is right now. Uh, but we hope for the best in the future, no matter what it looks like. Um, and so that's what we're here to talk about. And hopefully we'll be talking about it more often as we go forward. 
Thank you all for listening. And uh, this is Flavor Footy saying goodbye until next time.